Um, this is uh, one message I've wanted to preach for a long time. After it's even though it's from a kid's uh, book regarding the seven seas of history, it's a great way to defend our faith. And I'll just start not being able to help that this is part sermon, part uh, Sunday school, part learning uh, about God and, and what He's done for us. And it was interesting, one of the first verses I ever learnt when I became a Christian back in 2001 was called God's phone number. Does anyone know what God's phone number is? Jeremiah Jeremiah 33.3. So if you'd like to take your Bibles, we'll start there first. Jeremiah 33.3. And it's actually... Jeremiah is in prison. And he says um, in Jeremiah 33, and I'll go from 1, 2, and 3. It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time, whilst he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it, to establish it, the Lord is his name. And he says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show you, show thee great and mighty things which thou hast no, that thou knowest not, and so tonight we're going to look at some things that you probably don't know about. Some of you may know about some of the things, but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of jam packed in the seven seas of history, and we look at things like creation, corruption, catastrophe, confusion, Christ, the cross, and consumption, and how these things are all explained in God's word. We'll now move on to Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. And this is another one, another great uh, portion of, of Scripture. And if you, it's like it's done backwards. We look at history going forwards, but God sees history from the start to the end. And you'll see from Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, what it says. I'll find it myself. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 reads, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times the things that are not yet done. Saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. The Lord himself said that he will do all my pleasure. And sometimes we can look through the veil very darkly and not see that the outcome of what's happening. But the big thing that Jesus Christ said while he was here on earth was, trust me, trust me what I'm doing, trust me what I'm saying. And it's interesting to read as you go through the scriptures, there's some things that, especially when Peter, when he said that... Uh, the Lord must suffer many things, and he says, suffer it not, Lord. But if you look what Jesus Christ actually said to Peter, he said, hence, get behind me, Satan. It's as though it was the greatest rebuke, because it, what had to be done, had to be done in order to save mankind. So we'll start with Genesis 1, 1 in a second, but first let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truths that are in your word. We see today the very things that are happening around the world that you said would happen. We see your plan in effect. We see 
the actors moving upon the stage and the curtain's about to rise, Lord, but you said that you will take your church away through the rapture. We look forward to that blessed day. We look forward also, Lord, to what you said you would do in the consumption, creating a new heavens, a new earth, and seeing all these things happening around us, that we have faith in you in what you said, what your word said, and what you actually did too, Lord. And we, we thank you for that. If anyone here or listening who does not know you, Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Saviour, may their conscience and their heart be pricked through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not through me. I don't have to convince anyone, and I can't convince anyone, but I just pray that the Holy Spirit be with me. I pray that the Holy Spirit be with our people here at Lavington and those who are listening online. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, apparently the, the greatest, I shouldn't say that all scripture is given by inspiration of, of God, but the greatest part is this first part, is that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. You take that at face value, it basically means that we have on planet earth a creator. We have someone that created all this. And it was God who created it because it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. What is strange about this portion of scripture, it starts with God. And if you look, and Pastor was talking about anything to do with false doctrine, most false doctrine starts with man or his opinion. Therefore, you can take the scriptures, but if man's opinion is spun into that part of scripture, it doesn't work. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Now, there is a chronological statement to all that, is that there were things created first, and if we see from creation itself, there has been an attack, which has gone on for a long time, and I think I mentioned it in Acts 17, uh, regarding uh, pagan culture, and how pagan culture dismisses God, and Pastor talked about that this morning, that some believe that the universe is billions of old, and it's offered picture from a result of a giant explosion, However, there's evidence around that which states that it didn't actually happen like that. But people are quick to dismiss the evidence as well. So these views we have to obviously put in our scriptural or biblical glasses and see from the word of God, not the word of man, as to how this all came about. Now, there is a, some conjecture that has been going on for a long time, and I'll read it again. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then apparently there was a pause. Now this is what some people believe. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Gap theory is what it's been, been called as, is that it can't have happened that way. There was a continuation, and you're going to see why it couldn't happen that way, because there's plants and certain things that were, were made uh, around all that, but there is a more important, uh, as I said, it's been, this has been under attack for a long time, but God created the light. And light was separate from the sun, which was created. Now, this happened on day four. So you can see people would actually read this and go, aha, we found a spot where there's a, a gap, there's a problem. And so, so how can we have day and night without the sun? And it says, we know today that it takes a day and night cycle a rotating earth and light coming from one direction. And the Bible tells us clearly that God created the light on the first day. Thus we can deduce that the earth was already rotating in space, 
relative to this created light. And the sequence of events would later have been very significant to pagans. Why? Because pagans use that as well for worship. And the sun is all worship. Uh, sun of, is all the source of life. But God seemed to be making pointedly clear that the sun is secondary to His creatorhood and the source of everything. He doesn't need the sun in order to create life. S U N, not S O N, which is different. So, in contrast to theistic evolution beliefs, He even warns against worshiping it in Deuteronomy four nineteen. And if we if you looked at uh, Romans, we actually will go there. You go to Romans 1, Pastor was there this morning. It's like I'm repeating your, your message this morning, Pastor. But it's, it's based around the fact that we are built for worship. And you're going to see in Romans 1 how it talks about this very thing. In verse, Romans 1 verse 19 it says, Because that which hath been known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. We look at this, the creation of the world. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they that are without excuse. Now, this is the interesting point. And Every single little bit of scripture is there for our edification. It says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful. But because vain in their imaginations, remember man is fallen, vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to the corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Now, what's interesting, if you look at Egypt, Egyptology, the study of Egypt, those very things are also glorified. And if you look at the ten plagues that hit Egypt, they were also what they worshipped. So you'd have to go, don't, just don't take my word for it, but go and have a look at what it talks about creation. And so we have these ideals of, well, if God created the earth... How did he do it? Well, he spoke it. He spoke it into existence. And if you've ever looked at the speed of light, speed of light travels around at, and that was the first thing that was created. It travels around the globe at seven times per second. Now, that's pretty powerful to understand. It's powerful to understand because God said that he is almighty. So he's making a claim that just not on creation, but as to who he is. And so if we start with creation, we see that there is a very specific reason as to why God put that in his word and he put it in at, at Genesis at the first part as well now there is one more thing I want to point out it was stated that uh, or how did um, the writer of the Pentateuch being um, Moses how did he know about all these things he said because God would have told him you've got to remember Moses was also uh, brought up in the Egyptian uh education system so to speak but he was exalted because God was going to exalt him anyway but God actually spoke to him and said look this is how it all happened and you see too that I don't think people realize that how smart Adam was Adam named all the creatures of the of the earth too and that's how we get that whole idea of from creation that God created but he passed it down to man and said this is how it happened the next one our next point is corruption so if you take your Bibles and go to Genesis 3, we go back to Genesis 3. 
So the foundations of God's word, if that is destroyed or removed and placed with something else, which is exactly what, yea, hath God said. That's exactly what Lucifer said. Yea, hath God said. Genesis 3, 8 to 24 we're looking at. And this is where it becomes a problem because we are not like God's. We are not God. And it's because of this. And they heard a voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. Now, why would man hide himself? And the Lord, by the way, God knows exactly why. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? So here's the first question. Who told you you were naked? Because God knew from eating that fruit that this is the result. Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Now, this is where the interesting part comes in. The man said, see how I, and we do this, Christians do this, man does this, he blame shifts. It wasn't me, he did it. Or listen to what, now I can't think of any other reason why Adam would have done this because it's, it's a slap in the face to the Lord. He said, the woman thou gavest to be with me, she gave of me the tree and I did eat. So he's blamed his wife Eve. And the Lord said unto the serpent. So he's turned his attention. So he said, look, I'm going to hold that for a second. So he's turned to the serpent. Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all the cattle and above every beast of the field. And upon thy belly shalt thou go. And dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. People go, how could there be a talking serpent? People don't understand. It's not like it is today. There are things that happened in that garden that has been exposed by the word of God. If you t- remember, as I said in the beginning, God, if you t- accept that, you accept what's being said here too. And unto the woman, he said, I'll, uh, And I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, here's the promised Messiah, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and that shall bruise his heel. And unto the woman, he said, I'll greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow shall thou bring forth children. I have seen my three children being born. I don't think I've ever seen a woman not go through some form of sorrow in giving birth okay because God said this is what will happen and thy, and thy desire shall be unto thy husband and he shall rule over thee there's a little bit in that too and unto, the, and unto Adam he said because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I have commanded thee saying thou shalt not eat of it curse the ground for thy sake in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of their life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring. You ask any farmer when you plough the field, if there's any thorns and thistles from before, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For thou, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and dust thou shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve. Because she was the mother of all living. And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. So here we see the result of sin and what's happening. And the Lord said, Behold, the man has become one of us. I say us. To know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. 
So we see here there's a reason for death. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and placed him in the east of the garden of garden cherubims and a flaming sword and turned away. So God in all his mercy and grace kept man away from that garden to keep him away from the tree of life because if he did there'd be a problem all right our next point catastrophe genesis 6 9 to 19 so take your bibles and go to genesis 6 9 to 19 so here we have the foundation of of god creation the fall and now we're starting to see the effects of that because god said go and replenish go and um multiply so we have this massive i don't know how many people doesn't say but it talks about catastrophes of genesis 6 9 to 19 and these are the generations of noah noah was a just man and perfect in his generations and walked with god and noah beget three sons shem ham and japheth the earth was also corrupt before god now we're starting to see that now but in greater point because god mentioned i think jesus christ mentioned that as it was in the days of lot and noah okay so this is like a red flag so what's going on here that's actually going to cause the judgment? And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me. The earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood, and the room shalt thou make in the ark, and it shall pitch it within and without pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, and the breadth of 50 cubits, and its height of 30 cubits. Now, this is really interesting. God said, you don't make an ark and it never rained on the earth. So he had to be faithful in that. Now, I think I've mentioned too that in Genesis 5 we talked about the, 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 the gospel, uh, the names and what those names mean. But here's an interesting point. In verse 18 he says, But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, Thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee, and thou shalt be all male and female. Now, here's the interesting point too. You've got to understand, the ark was built for certain specs. So they didn't go and grab the biggest Tyrannosaurus Rex or whatever it was and bring them on the boat. They actually brought little ones so they could be um, used of God and it was very interesting too there was nothing that was born on that ark like I'm just thinking out loud here that there was nothing born on the ark because it had to have survived such a long period of time through the flood so we see the creation we see corruption we see catastrophe the next if you're aware of is confusion now this confusion come about because of we're seeing now, and I think I've talked about this before, regarding uh, certain events that are happening. We have, we've recently been over in Vietnam, and we had a Google translator. So you can type in in English what you want to say, and it'll come up and it'll say exactly in their language. But there's something greater looking at that is the idea of binary code 101 does anyone know what binary code 101 is judy should know it's actually code used for computers and software therefore computers and software technology is being used right now um, to enslave manhood to a certain point 
but God said that was going to happen. So this is why that book, God's Word, can be used and can be used for His glory to say that, hey, I know the end from the beginning. From the beginning this is what's going to happen. So if we look at confusion, is that we see here that it's in Genesis 9, just further on a little bit, Genesis 9. We see confusion. I'm actually going to help using some of this book. By the way, you'd only have to look at the evidence. There was a, I can't remember the name of the gentleman. I've just bought his two books. One was a uh, person of interest about Jesus Christ. This guy was a David, no, uh, David Warner. No, I'm, I'm, I should have wrote it down actually, but he was a detective on the in the LA LA uh, police branch. There, he's a very highly decorated policeman, and he wanted to put forth. So he used everything that he'd been trained to use in regarding evidence, regarding um, proof, and so he took it to the Bible, and he started to read the Bible, and he started to read about Jesus Christ, the person of interest. And he came to the conclusion that from everything that he'd learned about it, that it had to be true. So you see, God can use ways and means, but he always uses his word. Why? Because that's what we base our foundation, that's what we base our faith on. Obviously, it's Jesus Christ, but it's what he said. But God also said that he is the word. Now, let's go to confusion. We just, by the way, you only have to look, if you look at photos of... uh, if you look at the photos of the Grand Canyon, you'll see that the events of a flash flood, and this was worldwide, of the stacking of the layers. And evolutionists like to point out and say, well, hang on a sec, that's millions of years here, that's millions of years here, that's millions of years here. But they've found that there's trees, logs, you know, so it can't be millions of years in that rock strata. So you'd actually have to, and I'm not a scientist, I'm not claiming to be one, but I'm just saying if you look at the evidence, it's always around that Jesus Christ said what he said in that word, that this is how it happened, and then we see the evidence of it. And what you do with that evidence then is how you can build your faith. Okay, confusion. Ever since Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, man has rebelled against the word of his creator. Rebellion continues to the theme of the lives of the descendants of Noah and his family. And God said, because he is holy and just, he must continue to punish sin. So approximately after 100 years after Flood's day, uh, after Noah's flood, a group of people once again refused to listen to obey the word of God. Now, they would have had an idea of what God had said. And it's really, really interesting because if we, and I think I've, alluded to in Genesis uh, sorry in Psalms 2 what's happening today is what they did back then too now also too uh, there was a book written by Alexander Hislop and it talks about the Catholic organization and how they actually are using the same things that were used in Babylon hence confusion you'd have to read his book to see the correlation between what they believed and what these organizations actually do so This brings up a very important point. Where did all the so-called races of people come from? Do any of you speak a language other than English? So why are there so many different kinds of language? So God did this for a very, very specific reason. 
they started to remember I talked about how we're all built for worship and what they started to worship they wanted to build a tower that reached up to God instead of God coming down to them they wanted to reach God but it's never the way that God always comes to us and he comes to us through his word he comes to us through his spirit he comes to us through events or things that happen in our life um, and it's really important if you know one person's testimony is greater than the other because Jesus Christ is involved in it but I think we're blessed in this country I think I'm not saying we have too much but we have too much and I know this might sound confusing but we we hear of other testimonies of, of especially Chinese Christians who don't think you're actually a real Christian unless you've been thrown in jail why because they say that, that persecution is part of being a Christian whereas here we don't we're starting to see the glimpses of it okay and we're starting to see that um, that this persecution is going to happen but we need to be able to and this is why I preach this stuff is that we need to be able to defend what we believe why? because someone's going to ask us one day why do you believe that? Haven't, uh, don't we come from apes? didn't the world evolve? but you can clearly see from the scriptures that it hasn't that God has had his hand upon this the whole time so confusion is to and the reason being is this that man was starting to and he's doing it now. He's starting to unite and become one. And that is without God in the picture, though. And therein lies the problem. Um, God confused the language at China so that people would spread out and fill the earth as he commanded them to. Now, the language difference made it difficult for families to communicate, so they split apart and each family going their own way. Today's languages have descended from the original ones, while linguists today can group languages into families and they're unable to find linkages that might trace all the languages back to a single common ancestral language, exactly the way it would expect from the biblical account. Now, what's interesting is this. Uh, we had a bit of a, a, a language lesson um, when we were on a tour guide, and if you ever look at the Vietnamese language, there are certain exclamation, well, not exclamation marks, but there's certain punctuation marks you can have the word may, M-A-E. It may mean one thing in one context, but if it has a dot or a question mark underneath it or it has a dash over the top of the A or the E, it means something completely different. So in to order to understand language, there are certain things that we can say too, like the word weather, whether I should stay or go or what's the weather like outside. It's very important to understand language and how it's all used. Now, when on our Tuesday nights, when we're looking at studying the Bible, I don't know if you just found this out. There's 44 different um, points of uh, text and grammar and other things that actually go into the Bible. But the Bible is to be taken literally. Okay, there's, there are allegories, there are alikes, there are things that we we use. But you're going to see why that the language that God wrote this in in uh, and if you look at history, I'll actually trace that back a little bit. Uh, I think it was roughly 400 BC, and uh, Alexander the Great from uh, from Greece. What did they write in Greek? What's the Bible written in? It's written in Aramaic, Hebrew, and Greek. So we see that the world was being set up at that time, at that point, that the language that was mainly spoken was Greece, Greek. But it was but in Jerusalem and in Israel, it was Aramaic and Hebrew, of course. So. We see this confusion happening, but there's a reason why. 
Now, it says here, when Alexander the Great and his soldiers marched, it was 330 BC, sorry, into India, they found the Indians worshipped the huge hissing reptiles they kept in caves. China is renowned for its dragon stories. England has a story of St. George who slew the dragon. So there's an account of a 10th century Irishman who wrote of the account as appeared before St. Gregorius. And so you see from history, we can see that language is really important. But back then, there was a reason why that um, there was one language and they'll start and God said spread out, but they weren't. They were actually wanting to stay. So God made them and confused them by sending that confusion through language. So if you've got your hand out there, this is our next point. And I've actually combined these two because you can't have the cross without Christ and you can't have a cross, sorry, Christ without the cross. And I mentioned earlier that Jesus knew that he was born to die. And it's rather strange that he came to be a ransom. For many, we see in Matthew twenty twenty eight, it says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, if you've got your hand out there, you're going to see, and I was talking to brother, uh, what was I, talking? I was talking to someone this morning anyway, talking about, do we have free will? And if you look at that handout, you're going to see, Remember what I said, though, at the start was that God declaring the end from the beginning. And you see from the handout here, you go to the left-hand side on page 60, we've got David. Now, they said that the Messiah would come from the root of Jesse, from David. And if you trace it back, so let's go have a look at, if you go, sorry, from page 61 on the right-hand side, you've got Mary. All right? And if you trace her lineage all the way back it goes to David I don't know if, to, if, if many people knew that Joseph and Mary were related but they were related back through David so a lot of generations now we have a problem solved and we're going to read this and we're going to go and have a look at our Bibles and see what it says here. So if you could take your Bibles now and go to Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. Uh, 15. It's Jeremiah 23. 15. I'll find it too. Because it taught, there's a God promised that David would always have a descendant on his throne, but you see there was a problem with that, and that is this. And I'll find what the problem was. You see that and it says here. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets: Behold, I'll feed them with wormwood and make them drink the water of gall for the prophets of Jerusalem is profanous gone forth unto all the land so we see all the way back then there was something oh, there was going to be a problem the legal right to the throne was passed through David's son right? Solomon the king of Judah sorry uh, Solomon to his descendants now uh, Jehoshaphat, I think that's the way it's spelled a great great grandson of Solomon and the king of Judah was so wicked that God punished him by declaring that none of his children would ever sit on the throne. So here was a problem. 
Jeremiah 22, 17, 30 says that it caused a problem since Joseph, the supposed father of Jesus, has his earthly father, not his heavenly father, would have the legal right to the throne, but would have been unable to occupy it due to being under Jehoshaphat's curse. Now, remember, nothing is, is hard for God because he knows from the end from the beginning. And if you look at that handout, this is amazing. That all those people were descended from David. You can't find, I, I, I haven't seen it, that there's a, everything, every name, is, by the way, is recorded in the, in the Bible. Okay? Now, if Joseph had been Jesus' biological father, Jesus would have the legal right to the throne, but would have been unable to occupy due to being under Jehoshaphat's curse. God solved the problem by Mary. Jesus was the firstborn son of Mary, a virgin, and a descendant of David through another son, Nathan. So Jesus has the right to sit on the eternal throne of David legally through his adopted father, Joseph, and physically through his natural mother, Mary. In this way, God's promise mentioned above in Jeremiah and Chronicles was fulfilled. The Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, presented with gifts, Called Lord in reference to his deity. Called Almighty and Father of Eternity, Isaiah 9.6. Born of a virgin and called Emmanuel. Riding into Jerusalem on the foal of a donkey. Pierced his, in his hands and feet in Psalm 22.16. Killed 483 years after the decree to rebuild Jerusalem. Thrust through at some Zechariah. Called a prophet like Moses. Called a priest in Psalm 110.4, preceded by the messenger of John the Baptist. So, we see through God's genealogy that we have the prophesied son from David through the line of Joseph and Mary. Now, I'd, I'd never seen that before, and I actually... I was shocked because if you go back and you see from David through to Jesse, it goes all the way back to Adam as well. So we have this lineage of people in the Bible, but they're all related to God. And I believe that God's word, that every name, every letter, every numeral means something in the word of God. There's, a, there's an attachment to it. So we see there that the promised Messiah would come through the root of Jesse, that is in David. And we're going to see later on that how uh, Jesus Christ will sit on the throne once again. So if, you take your, if we go now to Luke 9, Luke 9, 22 to 24. Remember what I said? There's a reason for this that we uh, have to be able to defend or apologetics our belief in Christ Luke 9 22 to 24 saying the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day just as he said it would happen and he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Now, we see here 
the ultimate point of Jesus Christ and the reason why he came. The cross represented shame, disgust, and there's so many things you could actually talk about the cross and what, what it was for. But ultimately, it was for a ransom because of Jesus Christ's blood. Jesus Christ didn't have an earthly father, but he had an earthly mother. And if we go back to Genesis, we see what the claim was, that I will put enmity between thy seed and her seed. And the woman, sorry, and between thy seed and her seed. And he shall bruise thy head and shall bruise his heel. Just as it said, God said that he stated from the beginning that remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no one else. Declare in the end from the beginning and from the ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand. That was written in Isaiah 700 years before the cross. So we've seen these events leading up to this point. And if we ask these two questions, and they is, why did Jesus need to die on a cross? Well, to take away the sin that was introduced by Adam by paying the penalty for it and to conquer death, which was the result of that sin, so we can have eternal life. So how do we know Christ rose from the dead? Ultimately, because the words of Scripture, God tells us in his word that he rose from the dead. Take your Bibles now and please turn to 1 Corinthians. And this seems to be, I don't know why, God always keeps pointing me to this. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4, it talks about this very thing. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4. God puts a very high value not only upon his name but upon his word. What he said he'd do, he will do. The summary of the gospel, it reads like this. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. This is Paul talking to the Corinthians, which you also have received and wherein ye stand, by which you are also saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which we also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, verse 5 is interesting. He says, And that he was seen of Caiaphas, then of the twelve. But if we go back and we have a look at what he said, that he would be... And if you look at the account of Jesus Christ's trial, he says here in Luke 9, 22 to 27, 22 to 24, he says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and the scribes and be slain and be raised on the third day. So he prophesied and said, Yep, that's going to happen, and it happened. It's amazing that God said in creation, This is how it works. And if you look at the evidence, it's exactly how it works. And what's even more amazing, if you want to delve into and have a look at the um, DNA, DNA is a code. It's a written language. That written language has to have an author. God used 
man to write the words of the book, but they were under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, like you, I just I, I put I put two and two together to get four. I, it, it's it's amazing how God's Word speaks to us and shows us clearly from His Word what's going to happen before it happens. Our last point: corruption. Revelation twenty one one to seven. If you take your Bibles and go to Revelation twenty one one to seven. I know we jump around the Bible a little bit, but all this does, it just reinforces the evidence that's been put forth. Whether you believe that evidence or not, it's not God's problem because God has already revealed it to us. Consumption. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes, and there shall be there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne, behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Rather interesting, if we go back and you looked at the Garden of Eden, what had happened? God removed man from that. He removed man from that point because God cannot have sin in his presence and we became sinful because of the first Adam. But the second Adam, being Jesus Christ, came and paid the debt that he didn't owe. And just as he said, I'm going to be rejected by the elders, he went before Caiaphas. Caiaphas actually rent his clothes. He said, tell us, are, they, are you the Messiah? He said, I am. I'm the Messiah. And he rent his clothes and said, this man, being Jesus Christ, it's rather interesting too because he said, what is truth? Pilate said, what is truth? And he had the truth standing right before him. Caiaphas, on the other hand, said, no, this is not the man. Even the Jews turned around and said, we will not have this man rule over us. Let his blood be upon our head. And what's sad is, is that he is the Messiah. I'm just, I'm not saying I've proved it, but from the scriptures we can see quite easily that he was and is the Messiah. Because death and disease and thorns and thistles are only temporary part of God's creation, there will be no more one day. Cons it should be not consumption, it should be consummation. It will take place in the future. New heavens and new earth, there will be no tears. In the present heavens and earth, there's tears. In the new earth, there's no pain and suffering. At the moment, there's pain and suffering. New heaven and new earth, there's no death. Whereas at the moment, we have death. There's no need for the sun and moon to provide light. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the light. 
It's day only. Here we have day and night. Light provided by God himself. Light provided by the sun and the moon and the stars. We have the water of life. At the moment there's no water of life. We have the tree of life. There's no tree of life here on earth. Saints. At the moment here on earth we have sinners and saints. Righteousness will dwell there. Sin is rampant on this earth. You only have to look at it. No more curse of sin. It's still under the curse of sin. Complete health. No hospitals. There's disease and sickness that we have now. And it's rather interesting when you see God's word wrapped up in that he said that this is going to happen and it happened. We see the world right now displayed in Timothy uh, 3, what, uh, 1 Timothy 1, 3, I think it was, that the perilous times shall come. We are seeing perilous times right now. And it's rather interesting being away from Australia for two weeks that uh, we still read our Bible, but we were sort of devoid of any of the 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 left wing PC garbage that is that is that's being pushed so hard in Australia and the Western world. Why? Because Christianity spread through the Western world, and for a long time was uh, exponents of the the gospel. But now we're seeing, as Pastor said this morning. There's this real reversal. I remember that I was a child of the 70s and 80s, and I remember going to church with my mum. We had Sunday school. We'd have um, scripture in schools. But now that's all been taken away. So what's sad is that God said they'll leave a remnant, but it seems very doom and gloomy, but, but we have something to look forward to. If you're saved, you have something to look forward to. You have a lot to look forward to. Okay, And God said in his word, this is what it's going to be like. It's exactly how it is. So don't ever be shocked. If you read God's word, don't ever be shocked by what's going to happen or what's coming because God said it's going to happen. Um, if we could take our...